The Open Nesters is a weekly podcast focusing on couples and individuals who are looking for new beginnings after their kids have left the nest. This week on the Open Nesters podcast with Malaika Mavina Darville. So I, I, I can just remember standing there in my once was home. The removalist truck had just come and taken everything away. And I was just standing there alone and I felt like so naked, like stripped raw of everything that I want, you know, all the false identification. It was, it was a good, it was a good thing in some respects, but it certainly did not feel comfortable or good at the time. Uh, you know, just all the false identification, mother, wife, uh, we shared our business together and he took the business. Um, a community person, like I was quite a big person in the community. I had started the conscious dance movement in, in Byron Bay in Australia. And so, you know, all these things that I had been identified with and suddenly I was just stripped naked, just standing there like, oh my God, who am I? And what the heck am I doing here? So... Welcome to the Open Nesters Podcast, Malaika. This is such a dear delight because I have kind of messed up here with times in Bali, where you are. So thank you for being with me. Thank you so much, Tessa. It's an absolute honor to be here. So tell us a little bit. I met, I, the only reason I met Malaika is because she was at a Bless Fest in New England leading this incredible Five Elements dance, conscious dance that... And her beautiful flow and energy was just infectious. And so I've kind of followed you throughout. And I know you've always been in Bali for many years, but we're going to take you back because you are an open nester with two boys and, and now a grandchild. And to that origin story that, if you will, not the whole complete lifestyle, but at the time when mm-hmm. your kids were getting older and mm-hmm. that you, what you, how you started your metaphor, metamorphosis. Mm. Yeah, well, it was uh, it was quite the journey, you know, because I didn't really see it coming, and uh, you know, I was married for twenty one years, and and the funny thing is, is that I was pregnant when I came into that relationship. So my my the man that I stayed with for twenty one years, my my second son's father, he was not the father of my first child, but he was he fathered him. He was there. We got together when I was actually seven months pregnant, so he was. He was there like the father, you know, and really, really loved my, my, you know, first son just as much as his second son that was his biological son. And, you know, but we had always been parents kind of thing. So I was kind of looking forward to having sex in the middle of the day on the kitchen table if we felt like it, you know what I mean? Like just, you know, with, with teenagers growing up at that end phase just before they fly the nest, I couldn't wait till you know, what life was going to be like when it was just us and we didn't have to worry about kids anymore. And um, our home was kind of the home that had all the teenagers. We let them come to our house. And and I, you know, I loved that because I loved, I have sons. So it was really nice having young teenage girls and, and, and talking them through all of their puberty issues and all their sex dramas and keeping them on track and keeping them safe, you know, because they were experimenting with drinking alcohol and things like that. So we were kind of the house, you know, so it was a very alive. Where is busy, this? In Australia, right? In Australia, yeah. Yeah. And um, and then all of a sudden, all at once, like uh, my my youngest, our youngest son was in his last year of high school. Um, my oldest son had already 
um, started acting and he was doing very well in the acting world and moving, you know, he, his, he got a contract to move to LA. So he was in Australia and he was going to be moving to LA. And then, um, the husband dropped the bomb that, um, you know, he was seeing somebody else. And actually for a while there, he wasn't, he was lying and saying he wasn't seeing anyone else that he just needed to find himself, which, you know, was kind of the case. He did kind of need to find himself, but he was finding himself between someone else's legs for mm -hmm. a year before, prior to us breaking up, you know. And so then when I did find out that, that he was having the affair and everything, that really sent me over the edge. That was kind of like Pandora's box opened up with all all of the stuff, you know, that I hadn't really dealt with. I it dealt with, you know, I think we're just like layers. We have layers and layers, you know. You think you've dealt with something and then, you know, that thing comes and rears its ugly head again. And you're like, oh, you again. Hi, I thought I dealt with you, but you're back, you know. So... <laughs> Yeah, so that was that was a very very intense time because they all left home at the same time. So I I, I can just remember standing there in my once was home. The removalist truck had just come and taken everything away, and I was just standing there alone. And I felt like so naked, like stripped raw of everything that I want. You know, all the false identification. It was it was a good. It was a good thing in some respects, but it certainly did not feel comfortable or good at the time. Uh, you know, just all the false identification, mother, wife, uh, we shared our business together and he took the business. Um, uh, community person, like I was quite a big person in the community. I had started the conscious dance movement in, in Byron Bay in Australia. And so, you know, all these things that I had been identified with and suddenly I was just stripped naked just standing there like oh my god who am I and what the heck am I doing here so um, and we had had dreams you know that when the kids were grown up we would go and go sailing together and you know sail around the world and do all these things because he was a he had his skipper's license and we used to do sailing trips together with the whales um, once a year in Australia and so we always had this fantasy about you know sailing around the world afterwards so I kind of thought, well, bugger it. I don't care that I've, you know, that he's left me and he's doing his thing. I'm, I'm gonna go and still live my dream. So I, you know, I ended up going to America on my own, and um, I bought a van. It was actually one of the really funnest and happiest times of my life, even though it was like super challenging as well. But it was actually, it was a, it was a time, and I was going through menopause, so it was just like the icing on the cake. Wow. And, yeah. Yeah, so it was it was it was kind of huge, you know. I went to India. I you know I got invited to all these uh, tantra festivals because I was doing the the dance and the cacao ceremonies, and you know, so I kind of was discovering this whole new um, aspects of myself and and you know birthing my work without him because we used to do everything together. Did you do he dance was, together? That was a conscious dance. Well, I, no, I did the dance and he played, he did the music. I see. So, so when I created the five elements dance, it was originally with live music, live music with beats. So he would make, make the, you know, like a, um, a bass beat underneath and then play whatever instruments, depending on what element we were in, because he had all these different instruments, you know? So actually I became a musician cause I really missed the music. So I started playing music, you know, um, like I took, I took, I still have it here. I took the hung drum, you know, hung, a hung drum, the, the, uh, 
the UFO drums. Yeah, yeah. You know, the round ones. Yeah. So we, we have one of the, the original ones. And that that's kind of like, that was my divorce settlement. Like, you know, because he took, he took our business. And, and I, I literally had nothing. You know, I, I had a little bit of savings from my, my body work and massage business. And I just literally went out into the world, like just going, right. And how that? How did you develop that trust? How do you think you had enough of that trust, even though it was so hard? I mean, I can imagine this. Like, I we have a visual image now, but what do you think comes? Where? What do you think that that trust came from for yourself in the universe? Like, if women have to go out there on their own? Well, I think for me, you know, bec- like I left mm-hmm. home when I was sixteen, so I think, I think for me, I have I've always been a, a strong survivor and thriver, and just like excited about life and you know, just, I love adventure. And, and, you know, so it was, it was just like an, it it was almost like the adventurous life I lived pre-marriage and pre-children, you know, had been put on pause, even though we did do a lot of adventures. And, you know, we went back and forth to Africa many times um, when we had children and traveled, you know, to Bali and to Asia and, and everything with the kids, but they were more like as school came more and more of focus, like their lives became more and more our focus. The the travel became more like school holidays. You can go for a month or you can go for two weeks. You know, it's not like you can just go and not know where the hell you, you know, when you're going to come back, like on an open-ended ticket. So I think for me, it was, you know, I was looking forward to doing that with my partner um, but I just was like, well, I'm not stopping. I'm not going to st- hold back on my dream just because. Well, know, there's a hard not- thing here. I mean, you still loved him. So yeah. I am wondering how, like, did you ever approach the idea of working through the infidelity, like finding like Esther Perel says a second marriage within the first kind of, did you ever? Well, it w- well, it was funny, you know, cause the, the first place that I went, um, like when, when, when I found out like, you know, when he finally confided in me that he was seeing this other woman and she was half my age. So, you know, can you imagine I'm going through menopause and he's with this young 25 year old woman at 50. Um, you know, I felt like I was an old washed up hag and I certainly wasn't, you know, I'm not, you know, at 45, I was looking pretty damn good. Like I see myself now at 58 and I think, Oh my God, at 45, I was looking pretty darn, darn good at that time. But, (laughs) But, um, uh, so the first place I went with a group of women that I used to dance with um, was to Brazil and went to Carnival because, you know, the, it was like waves of emotion that would come over me. Like, it's like a death, you know, because it really, it was a death. Yes. It was a death of that relationship. It was a death of my family. It was a death of everything that I had identified with for that last um, 21 years, you know, and, and the death of me in my full-on mothering years, like my full-on mothering years had come to an end. I mean, they never, you're never not a mother once you have a child, but those intense years of, you know, get to school, have you done your homework, you know, caring about their lives and being involved in their lives comes to an end, like it literally comes to an end. And so I thought, well, if I'm going to be crying and going through these like waves of emotion that are just like washing over my body, I might as well be dancing around in a carnival, you know, like with a G-string on. So that's what I did. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and it was really funny because two of my two of my best girlfriends, um, they decided to come as well. And uh, so there was there was ten women and all gorgeous, and there, the most of them were like in their twenties and early thirties. And then there was the three of us who were all over forty. 
So, you know, in Australia, they have this thing around um, putting the sunscreen on, like they own all the commercials, and it's like, you know, slip, slap, slop, don't leave, don't leave home without us. So we, you know, we would always like joke with the young girls, like, you know, the, the over, because it was on the sunscreen product, it was called 30 plus. Uh-huh. And, and uh, so we were the 40 plus slip, slap, slop, don't leave home without us. You know? <laughs> we'd put our, put our bikinis on and off we'd go, you know, we had so much fun. Like it was really, really you that know, was so liberating. Much. That definitely gave yeah. you a sense of being able to move, oh, all, yeah. that, move was, all that energy. Yeah. 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 It was amazing. And then I, I went to uh, Peru and, uh, you know, cause I also, um, you know, I had, I had, I had been for a long time, like not intensely in the medicine path, but, you know, always doing sh- shamanic work. It just, it came to me, you know, I didn't really like call myself that or want to be doing that but that was just like you know spirit was guiding me that way and so with the with the medicine journey when I went through my divorce I thought okay maybe I've been resisting this path Spirit was saying to me that it was it you know it was time for me to step more fully into this medicine path you know like that's why I needed to be stripped naked of everything so I went to Peru and I thought okay well I'm going to go and study with the the, the women shamans in Peru. So I went down there and that was a whole journey in, a, in, a, in itself, like really, really amazing. But I found so much black magic going on. And, you know, the well, medicine... Explain, is, explain black magic made to many of our Westerners. Uh, how, you, how your perception, because you... Okay, my perception time. was was <clears throat> when money had come into the equation, because I'd been to South America before, um, but when money had sort of come into the equation and they, the, the, the indigenous people, like before, say if you went to a medicine person and they could scan you and see what your illness was, if they didn't have the tools or the, the, the medicines to heal you, they would send you, they would know who would and they would send you to that healer. Whereas now when it comes into Westerners and, and indigenous and the money side of things, they don't want to send you on to anybody and they really sometimes even don't want to make you better because it's a money thing, you know, and it's been corrupted. So I was, you know, so they do things to make you like fall in love with them. They have like spells and potions and things to make you fall in love with them. And, and, and so um, I was witnessing all this kind of stuff and I was like not into it at all. So I, I, um, I ended that path and I, um, as I said, my ex-husband was a, a, a great musician and I really missed the music. And I ended up in, in Sri Lanka because I used to have this gig uh, in Sri Lanka that I would go to for two weeks every, every year and teach yoga there and teach, teach there and do body work and, and stuff. And so I went back. That, that was actually where we broke up. I was over there working and he came over to visit me and that was where he broke up with me there um, was when I was over there working for two weeks and it was like just before Christmas. So it's always kind of put a damper on Christmas, never quite has the same feel anymore for me after that. And um, but it was really interesting because doing the yoga, you know, like I love yoga and I do yoga every single day, but I dance is my first and foremost modality like a, a, a passion and release. And so going through what I was going through, it was, it was a yoga retreat, but then I was like, you know, I'm a dancer and, you know, we can bring in some movement. And they were like, okay, you can try it out with the, with the, the guests and see if they like it. And in this eco retreat that I work at, there literally is not even any electricity. 
like they keep they intentionally keep it that way so you literally go there and have no electricity they have lanterns like lamps like it's like a village set up like two and a half thousand years ago like it's amazing it's called Olpata and uh, for years I, I was going there and, and it was like my reset you know get paid to go and have a reset so I went back and um, I was so desperate to dance we I literally got a battery like a car battery and um, the megaphone speaker from the mosque because there was no speaker wired you know from remembering watching my husband do stuff with electricity you know wiring up this battery to this uh, mosque with my iPod back in the day when we had iPods yeah. and I had to hand, hand write out the, the the set because remember you couldn't move the you couldn't move the, the songs around so I wanted them in a certain order for the journey and I did my you know I did a five elements dance uh, journey with the with the people and it was so incredibly well received and so went so deep that um, they were like okay you can do this you can do this like two or three times a week if you want and the guests really really enjoyed it and and for me it was spirit kind of saying because I had stopped doing it because my ex was doing the music and for me spirit was it was like spirit saying it's the you know, it's the gift that you bring, it's the facilitation that you bring. You can always replace the musician, but you can't replace this gift that you bring when you hold space in doing that. So that kind of like put me back into into really deeply doing doing the healing work and doing the doing it through this movement medicine and everything. And so so and tell that. us about the five elements. So how you've created it and what they represent and and how they helped your healing. So that's really, I think, an important component here. Yeah, it, it is. I mean, it was it was what got me through the the divorce and everything that I was going through because um, it's a breathing, moving, somatic, like you're listening to your body. There's not really any steps to follow, but there's breathing patterns to follow um, to get you out of your mind. You know, like so, us as West, Westerners, we're so stuck in our heads that it's like, Sometimes even at ecstatic dance, you can see that people are, you know, maybe looking around to see who they can pick up or, you know, there's still mind stuff going on. Whereas like this one, it's like you're breathing and your focus is on your breath and your focus is on just letting your body move in whatever way. And sometimes the movements might not look necessarily like what we perceive as dance. Like you might be doing some repetitive movement or something but that's releasing something out of the nervous system and clearing the body from that trauma or you know whatever needs to come out of there and then when we when we hit the fire we go into shaking and shaking for me is a so really tell us about each element so and how they have how, how you really like just give us an overview of the five and how they release in certain areas yeah so well the the air is like opening the heart slowing everything down the, the earth is, is, is grounding and connecting to the root chakra, connecting to your sex center, connecting to, um, you know, really being honest with yourself around your addictions, you know, be it sugar, pornography, sex, the phone, whatever it is, you know, um, your story, uh, all these things. And then, um, yeah, you... you really moving that part of your body so however you want to but just keep it moving the 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 pelvis and you know where all that stuff gets stagnated and stuck in there and 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 then the 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 um fire is is shaking um to to release any fear out of the body so you know when an animal gets chased 
by a lion, like say it's getting a little deer or antelope getting chased by a lion, if it gets away, like it runs so fast, its body is just pumped full of adrenaline. And then if it manages to escape near death, it will go away from the, the herd and it will shiver and shake. You know, and we see that in little children when they get scared, you know, the lip starts to quiver and shake. You know, that's a natural bodily response to fear. So we've all been, you know, had fear in our childhood and in our lives. And we're living with things that scare and, and disrupt the nervous system all the time that we've become numb to. You know, like even just all these loud noises that we have, motorcycles and cars and sirens and screeching street cars. You know, these are not normal sounds for the nervous system. We've just learned to deal with them and go comfortably numb. But actually, you know, when we allow ourselves to like really move through that, we come back into moving the energy up and down instead of in and out. And so um, so I, I love to use shaking for, for, for that, you know, just put on a really I love wild shaking. track. And, shaking and humming. Yeah. Shaking, humming, yeah, any of those things are really good for that. And then, and then the contact dance, uh, I like using contact dance for the water element. Um, if I'm dancing with people, if I'm dancing alone, it's just like bring my hands to my own body and, and just, just it's like making love to yourself and connecting really deeply to my own self and my emotions. And quite often I'll have a good cry and I let myself have a cry because, um, you know, for me, crying is, is just, it's, it's also one of those normal, natural things as normal and natural as laughing. Yes. So we need to laugh as much as we also need to cry sometimes just to release. You know, there's a lot going on, not just in, in our own personal lives, but also in the global world. And now with the social media, we're taking in so many other people's stories and lives and, you know, both the, the positives and the negatives. So to keep our own body temple clear and clean and, and centered, you know, back in the present moment for ourselves, I find this practice is the only thing that really brings me back where I can actually then sit down to meditate, you know, quietly and sit down and actually find stillness because, um, so the I, fifth, I, is the fifth, el- this is the fifth element about being still. Yeah. Yeah. So that, so how do you, but that stillness can be, it could still be, well, what's the, what's the element itself? Ether. Ether is our stillness. Yeah. And ether yeah. is so many other things, but I, I had a feeling ether was your still, was the stillness when I had. Yeah. Feeling. Yeah. Ether is, ether is space, you know, and there's more space than anything else. So, um, so going into that stillness and going into that space is really, it's quite, it's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's, it's coming home, you know, it's really coming home. It's where, where for me, my intuition and clarity comes um, inspiration comes, new ideas come. Uh, I hear, you know, my ancestors are communicating to me in that space. Yeah, it's a very, it's a, it's a liminal, beautiful space, you know, sort of beyond this 3D hard reality, you know, it's, it's, it goes into that realm in the two, universal. Two things come up for me. I mean, first of all, the crying, like, you know, that there's a clarity, almost like the, the atmospheric clarity when a snow comes and clears the air. Like mm-hmm. crying for me is a release in such a profound way for the world because we need that release. All the shaking and crying and humming and moving mm-hmm. and that expression that I watched you do in such a prolific way that I know that if more people could move and then out at, and then afterwards find stillness because meditation is hard for many of us in this mm-hmm. 
chaotic world. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I so resonate with the idea of this huge movement because coming into stillness and space requires us to release first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I am such a big yeah. advocate of this conscious dance and how you, how you describe it and how you've developed it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, so that was, that was kind of like, you know, it was pretty amazing because, oh yeah, what else I did, what was pretty amazing when I was going through that whole period I realized that I was saying, you know, because I was not accepting what, you know, what had happened because it was, it was really a shock. We had quite a a strong, powerful, beautiful relationship. And then suddenly, you know, and we were, we were kind of idolized as the perfect family like this, you know, because our kids, a lot of times when we did the dance and the movement things in our company that we set up they would they would come with us and perform with us you know we were doing a lot of performance stuff with the african dance and so people kind of really idolized like our family and then all of a sudden like here was my man just like leaving me and and um and i had so much resistance i was in a big state of saying no to what i was not accepting what was happening and um, I watched the movie, The Yes Man. Do you remember that movie, The Yes, yes Man? Yes, I do. <laughs> yeah. And so I gave myself a challenge because I realized I was saying no to what life was giving me. You know, I was wow. not accepting it. I was saying a big no. And I was causing myself so much incredible pain because of that. Like I was suffering hugely, you know, through the through the divorce and the separation. Well, two things, you know, so I really went down the rabbit hole to like kind of dig into my own psyche and find out what was happening. And I gave myself this challenge that I had to say yes to everything that came my way. And it was a, it was a pretty phenomenal moment in, in my life. It took me to, um, well, I bought a van, you know, that's when I bought the van and I traveled across America by myself, you know, and meeting all kinds of crazy people and doing all kinds of things and working like all the way along the way without green cards, without visas, without, you know, I was just like, life just opened its doors to me. And then I got invited to, uh, I got invited to Thailand and I taught in, I was teaching in Thailand at, at, at a place there. And then I got invited while I was in Thailand and teaching there, someone had come and experienced my work and invited me to India and I didn't really want to even go to India, you know, but it was because I had, I had said, like, I was even avoiding the man who, because I knew he really, really enjoyed the work. And, you know, I had this feeling like he was going to ask me and I'm like, oh, God, I'm in my yes moment. I have to say yes to everything. So I was like avoiding him like the plague. And he invited me over to India. And so then I, I went there and that was, it was amazing. Like the work that I did there was really incredible and lived in this beautiful retreat center. And I was uh, working with, with the kind of like upper class Indian people, you know, which was, that was a whole eye opener in itself. Um, staying in like these multi-million dollar houses and working, you know, doing my healing work with, with all these, uh, uh, very, but you know, you're making me, I mean, this whole concept of just living this other life of yes, is just so beautiful how it guided you to just new openings and new openings, unlayering. I mean, it's what you yeah. really need and to learn and trust. And it's so beautiful. And even in, even in India, then I got invited to go and teach in China by yeah. this woman, this woman. Cause I ended up, I, you know, I ended up getting invited to teach at this women's festival and I didn't even think it was going to happen because it was seemed so badly organized and everything else. And, you know, 
one, it was an Indian man organizing uh, a women's festival. I was like, what is wrong with this picture? You know, and, and, China. and, yeah. and, and the flyer, the flyer, it said, you know, there will be jumping and hugging and, you know, very beautiful. And I'm like, oh, my God, jumping and hugging. Like, who's going to come? To oh, this no. so, so I didn't like prepare anything. But I mean, I've been facilitating for my whole life. So it's like I can, you know, I, I have a plethora of things I can do in any kind of group situation to pull people together. So I turned up into this uh, women's festival and there was like 450 women from all over the world, like real women. And the other girl that he had that was supposed to be, you know, facilitating, she was like all of 21 years old and you know, like had never hold space for anything. Like she was down on the sand making a big yoni in the sand, you know, and I'm like, oh my God. So all these women gathered and there was like nobody facilitating anything. So I just like grabbed the bull by its horns and just like pulled all my stops out and, and just had this like phenomenal, cause my women's work, I've always been doing the women's work for, you know, since in my twenties, I started doing it. And so, so we had this like incredible uh, workshop that just spontaneously happened. And after that, I got invited to go to China and China was not like on my bucket list of must go to China, you know, thing, but I had said yes again. And even it was like, I had said, you know, I was in my yes moment then. And I was like, okay, yes. I'll, you know, and so Malika and I just took a little dance break because I had to dance with her. So she put out a song <laughs> called energy and you could find her SoundCloud at Malika.Minerva. No, Malika. No, Malika Mavina. Mal Malika Mavina. No, yeah, Malika Mavina. Mavina. M-A-V-E-N-A. Malika. M-A-V-E-E-N-A. Oh, V-E-E-N-A. Okay. Malika yeah. is... I'll, I'll send you the link and you can put it underneath. It's going to be in our, on our blog notes. You'll be able to find everything. Yeah. If you want to dance with Malika, even just in your own living room. And so we're talking again about uh, your kids and kind of the idea that they are now going to leave again. And how do we deal with, because uh, I'm actually experiencing this myself. My son's 23, my little one, and came mm -hmm. home again to do his master's. And, and when he came home from almost his, well, I guess college is some kind of a ceremonial, right? When it works well. Mm -hmm. And he comes from a very blessed, a very functional, very, very aligned place who he is as a human being and a humble place. But when he left, he wasn't so happy with me. And he came back and each year got better and better and better. And then he came home and these two years of COVID, when he finished his master's, we are inseparable. I mean, I am, it's almost like, okay, stop being so codependent. I never had this with any of my kids, mm -hmm. but as an adult, I so adore the human being he's become mm -hmm. that I'm going to have to go through this kind of openness to release. And again, as he goes out, mm -hmm. so you're going to about to deal with that. So I'm really curious yeah. how you're, how you're looking at this new stage of how we, how we, like you said, the tools, the practices. So I'd like you to talk about your practices a little bit too. Yeah. Well, um, uh, for me, it's to keep myself busy, like, so that I have, you know, work happening in my, I, my, my life. So as long as I've, I'm doing that, then I, it, it keeps me on track. You know, it gives me a, a, a point of focus and then my my own spiritual practice of dance, yoga, movement, um, and I'm playing playing more. Like I'm even taking guitar lessons again to increase my repertoire with guitar. So just to keep the brain busy and learning, so I'm not looping over the the pain of missing them, you know, and the and and what that feels like. So, and really just having to take a deep breath and just kind of go, you know, everybody has their own life and their own journey. And, 
you know, if I look around, it's like, yeah, where's my mom and dad? I left them a very long time ago, you know, went out. And, of course, they always come back and they always love you. And, and, and there's that connection there. But you have to let them go. And, and, you know, we don't live in the village anymore. We don't live, you know, where they just marry the girl next door. And, they're, you know, it's like the whole world becomes our village. And so we might be, you know, thousands and thousands of miles away. And, and, and I guess, again, it comes back to that deep trust, like just trusting that everything that is, like it's even the, the king, you know, I'm not searching for him or whatever. I just trust that when what, what is meant for me will come to me. And so it's the same with my children. Like when they're meant to be, when we're meant to be all together, if we're going to be building a community together down in Costa Rica in the future or whatever, and I'm meant to to be there, then I will. And like I was, it was very important that I was here at this, you know, precious time with the new baby coming and I'm very close with the, the new baby and the, and my oldest grandson. And, you know, that was all meant to be, you know? And so now it's like, they've got their journey and their dance to do. And who knows, I just have to surrender and trust. I mean, that's really the, the key of life, isn't it? I mean, you know, and children definitely, Put us on that on that path because uh, it, from the moment they're born, right? You just have to trust, like continually and surrender continually to their journey, and that their their own unique soul having their experience and and uh, yeah, it's a it's a big one. It's it's, you know, it's, it's the my most. Son, my son's already left, but my his the the wife and and his wife and children are still here. So, but they're gonna leave. They could leave any day, you know. I'm, I'm, I'm just uh, taking a deep breath, enjoying each moment that you can with them, and that's yes. all, you know. And it is precious. It's the the time is just the that essence of of how do we love more? Like you said, thou shalt love more. Like, can we do that in the moment when our brains are racing or feeling sorry for ourselves, or or going through its transition or our hormones or or madness or chaos or sadness or upset with the world? Coming back, what I do a lot of with my own meditation is loving more. How do I bring compassion into my heart so I can send it out into the world and know that we can make create an aura to help our family create continue to be safe as much as we can through our own embodied spiritual practice. Mm-hmm. So you have been such a great example of that. And I am so grateful, so grateful. Mm, well, thank you so much. I'm so grateful as well. And I look forward to when we can dance together on a dance floor again and share in real in real life and give you a big hug and sit in a good women's circle together and cackle like like witches amen <laughs> i do like wait for that Before we summarize this wonderful episode, I want to tell you about next week's episode with dear friend Esther Russell, who was in one of our earlier interviews, uh, Book of Life with Esther, if you'd like to look for it. She and her family, her adult kids, created a retreat in Colombia I just came back from called Calling in Love and was a deep way of helping me find my own essence and embracing the, the things that really helped me transcend to create more of myself. And I was witnessed in this amazing plant medicine, breathwork experience, incredible musical retreat by a group of people that saw me as a warrior with fire and endless love. And this is empowering me to stay so focused. 
about what I want to do in the world. And I think that the three of them as a family will teach you so much. And they teach the way they taught me, even in this beautiful interview next week, about what is legacy, what is family, and what is love. So I hope you'll join us on The Open Nesters next week. Okay, so not every episode is relatable to me. Uh, this one is not that relatable, honestly, but I really appreciate the bravery that Malaika was taking, traveling fearlessly around the world. And I also relate to not knowing how to say no and saying yes to everything. In business, I used to, I'm still, always say yes, and then I figure out how to do it. But uh, in personal relationship, it's not that easy. Well, I think personal relationships require boundaries and no is fine to say. And that's quite something that we learn along the way, our yeses and our noes. And the more authentic we are in that expression is how I think we become more wise. And no, I'm not saying that no is not good or yes is not good. I'm saying that saying yes all the time is not good right? in personal relationships. So we happen to agree. Well, personal relationships or in anything that's not authentic to us saying yes. So sometimes saying yes gets us an understanding of what we really want to say no to by just trying it. So I love that she, I, I'm much more connected to the fact that we are not one thing. This is a non-binary life and movement is the medicine for that. So her idea of this being this path of surrender and the path of surrender is to trust our unique journey. And that's what is not a yes or a no, but we have to try different things at different times. <laughs> uh, I happen to agree with that. I also re only relate to the fact that I know how much dance means to you, how much movement means to you. It is it is a, a, a life uh, drug for you, dancing. It's uh, my medicine. Your medicine. And, and you've actually helped feed that because of the world music that un all the things that you bring into our lives, which aren't about understanding the lyrics. So what I think Malaika talks about, which is similar to you, that you may not get that connection right now, is that is these five elements of of our breath, of our grounding, of our of getting out of our addictions by being able to be where we have to go and shaking and releasing things. And and I see you get so caught up in your own flow and emotion when you're with your music that, that even if you're maybe not moving, I mean, for me, the movement is that. And that's why I particularly related to her five elements. I mean, this woman is really the queen of conscious dance in my humble opinion and I will follow her and I hope that our open nesters I just want to say if you want to be in touch with me about finding places to go and dance with Malaika please get in touch with me to ask about that because I will be doing that I will Malaika we okay. will be dancing <laughs> and I understand that she's world famous for what she's doing absolutely I, I mentioned her to some young people in Israel some friends of ours that that there's a chance she's going to get out to Israel. And they're like, wow, I could get her hired for our group. I love Malaika. She is. She's got a real beautiful name for being on this incredible path, this pure, this this journey of movement and healing. And uh, she is an open nester, and that was great to hear and relate to our theme of the open nester. So if you like this episode, there are plenty more on our website, theopennesters.com, double N in the middle, S at the end. And please join our Facebook page, right, Tessa? Facebook, we have a closed group that we're trying to, that we really are growing. People are commenting more. 
and our Instagram is on the rise because it's not, it's pretty new for us at this stage of life, not being social media experts. And we would love your support to get on there and share it with people and to share this episode and any others that you think would be helpful for people in their lives because your stories and the stories of the people in your lives matter to us as well. And we thank you so, so right much on. for listening. Till next time, this is Amir. And this is Tessa. And we will see you on the next episode. Ciao. You have been listening to the Open Nesters Podcast, a production of Kiwi Publishing and Media. Executive Producer, Tessa Crone. Music by Yoni Avi Patat. Audio Engineering by Lucid Sound. Web Design and Blogs, PJ Ewing. This podcast is available on all podcast platforms. To learn more about each episode and guest, please visit us at theopennesters.com. For questions or to be a guest on our podcast, email tessa at theopennesters.com.